This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Yesterday, we heard from a nonprofit that works with street food vendors. They're not happy that the Southern Nevada Health District has ramped up licensing enforcement, which they say leaves vendors confused and vulnerable. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we give officials from the health district a chance to explain what they do. We talk about food safety, how they police unlicensed vendors, and then we get into their curious claim that the elote man on your street corner could be a victim of human trafficking. It's Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Today we're here with Larry Rogers and Nikki Byrne-Savage of the Southern Nevada Health District. Larry and Nikki, welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Larry, you're a manager of regulatory compliance, and Nikki, you're a supervisor over specialized foods. We've heard anecdotally that Las Vegas maybe has seen a rise in street vending. Does that track with what you're seeing too? Yes, yes, it, it sure does. Are there more street vendors in Las Vegas today than there were, say, I don't know, 10 years ago? Yeah, I'll say that, yes, we, we are seeing more complaints. Uh, I think we, we've seen a small uptick in the number of closed complaints that we had over the last fiscal year. I, I just looked at the numbers. You know, the city's grown since then. I'd say over the last 15 years, I've been with the program. So we may be seeing numerically more cases, but as far as the presence in the community, it should be either at a steady state or, or slowly declining. Okay, interesting. Do you do you think that the sports events that have popped up all over the Valley have an impact? Yeah, definitely. So regarding the, the vendors popping up around those large venues like T-Mobile and Allegiant, we have seen an uptick of the vendors outside of the arenas where it's not actually permitted. And we have gotten quite a few complaints when it comes to the unpermitted food vendors in those areas. But we were working with Allegiant and also with Metro to address many of those complaints around those large venues. Are your enforcement agents sort of, and and I use this word broadly, patrolling areas uh, to, to identify people without there being a complaint that comes through one of these portals? Well, we were not just generally patrolling, but we do patrol in areas where we have statistically had more complaints. There are certain cross streets where many, many different complaints have come in. And so we definitely go into those areas. We also focus on the areas where the complaints have actually come in. So, you know, they can give us cross streets and things like that and say, hey, over at Flamingo 
and Sand Hill, there is an unpermitted food vendor. So we look at those particular areas, and that's why where we try to focus our enforcement. Okay. So sometimes they're complaint-driven. Sometimes you go to areas where you've had complaints in the past. These days, is it more of one than the other? In other words, are you more complaint-driven or is it kind of tilted? Definitely complaint driven because my group is relatively small. So we have to make the most of the staff that we have. So the complaints that we are, well, the areas where we're going out to investigate those complaints are mostly going to be in those areas where the complaints are generated from. Walk us through what happens when Southern Nevada Health District has an encounter with an unpermitted food vendor. What is the process? Well, normally what we do is we actually go to the vendor. We let them know that we're with the health district and that we would like to know if they're permitted and they usually are not. And there are many different ways that a person can determine if a vendor is permitted Once we establish that they are not permitted, we give them actually handouts that show them how they can get permitted. It has our food plan reviews information like website, phone number, address of the building. We also fill out a survey form that details the foods that we are observing If we actually confiscate the food, then we document what foods were confiscated, and that is pretty much it. Okay, so Nikki, I have two follow-up questions on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, First one is, I'm imagining that there are a significant amount of street vendors that don't have English as their first language. Do the handouts that you have come in multiple languages? They do. They come in um, mainly for the unpermitted food vendors information. They definitely come in English and Spanish. But if we needed to, we have the ability to get those in other languages because the educational information that we have on our website is in many, many different languages from English, Spanish, Tagalog, uh, different Chinese, Korean. We have a lot of different languages that that we are able to actually disseminate information in. Great. And then the second follow-up is you mentioned that you confiscate the food, which probably means that you destroy the food too. Why not just let them take it home or kind of pack it up and just go home with their own food? Well, unfortunately, we don't know where the food was purchased from. We don't know how it was prepared or handled or even stored, transported. So we want to make sure that anybody that is getting that food, that it's going to be safe food. And because we don't know any of those items, we don't want to actually take a risk that someone else might get food that has not gone under any kind of inspection process. So that's why we confiscate the food and the Nevada revised statutes and also the Nevada administrative code gives the health district that authority. So let me ask this. What what are the specific food safety concerns when it comes to street food vendors versus, say, a brick and mortar restaurant? 
Well, in general, for the health district, you know, we are the health authority for Clark County. And as a health authority, we are concerned with reducing or preventing foodborne illness risk factors. So typically there are five foodborne illness risk factors that we are trying to reduce or prevent. So we're talking about things like poor personal hygiene, food from unsafe sources, improper cooking temperatures, also things like improper holding times temperatures, and also food contamination. So when, and it doesn't matter whether it's a street vendor or a brick and mortar, those are the things as inspectors and as the health authority, that's what we're trying to do. Our main job is to try to prevent or reduce foodborne illness in our communities. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas' most talked-about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. So, Larry, Nikki, um, mm -hmm. has there ever been a significant outbreak or a trace of foodborne illness to a specific street vendor that impacted the community? Do you have specific examples of that? Uh, we tend not to focus on home-cooked food type of scenarios, which most people will categorize the unpermitted vendors as that. You know, they got a hot dog at the thing, but they don't really think of them as, you know, as an actual restaurant. So it's going to be a little bit unreported, uh, and and we don't see it a whole lot, but we have had some cases. I, I do recall there was an unpermitted vendor that was working at the Discovery Museum. This was probably about five years ago, and they did cause some minor foodborne illnesses, enough that we were alerted and we had to investigate, and we did contact the, the vendor. This one had a happy ending. We were able to, to work with the, the vendor and actually get them to be a, a legal vendor, but it, it does happen occasionally, and that was one where it was a party type situation. Mm -hmm. So the, we had good epidemiological information and we could trace it to the vendor without any question. The vendor was very receptive to, to getting legal and he did. 
But since the enforcement's come in, thankfully, we haven't had what seems to be a, a major story outbreak from any of these street vendors. I'm just knocking on every piece of wood in this office because, you know, it, it can happen. And that's what we're trying to prevent. And if it does, we would probably be asked to increase our enforcement, which would be fine. But so far, so good. We haven't had anything major. Again, most of these type of incidences, I mean, foodborne illness is very common. One out of every six Americans will experience it this year. A lot of it is minor. You know, of the one out of every six, only what, about 250,000 wind up being hospitalized, 3,500, 3, or is it down to 3,000 will actually die. So those are smaller numbers. But, you know, considering that we have so much foodborne illness in the community, a lot of it does go underreported. Yeah, and I think most people who have lived in Las Vegas for any stretch of time mm-hmm. have seen stories about outbreaks that come from permitted brick-and-mortar establishments. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've heard of specific restaurant names. I'm not going to go down the list, but we've right. seen that time and time again. We just haven't seen that same sort of reporting. And I think for probably some of the reasons that you mentioned, Larry, trace back to any specific street vendors. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? That's my assessment, yes. Okay. Now, we, we talked a little bit about some of the street vendors uh, not speaking English as the first language and some of the efforts that you make with them. When the Southern Nevada Health District interacts with vendors, is there ever follow-up where police or immigration authorities are informed about the interaction or even called to those locations? Well, sometimes we do have law enforcement accompany us, like those really big sweeps around like Allegiant because there were so many vendors. We did actually have a law enforcement presence. So yes, sometimes law enforcement does actually accompany us, but that is not for the normal routine sweeps that we're doing. Those are usually for those larger type of events. Now, we were looking at the uh, Southern Nevada Health District website as it relates to unpermitted vendors. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a press release, or at least it's like on the on the website itself. And I want to get this correct, so I'm going to read this verbatim. Okay. And it said, while purchasing from these unpermitted vendors is a health risk, the real danger is that by purchasing from street vendors, you may be enabling human trafficking and slavery. Right. I have so many questions about that. So the, the first question I, I think is probably the obvious one. What What evidence do you have of human trafficking amongst the food vendors? We do know that human trafficking can be an aspect of unpermitted food vending and that the individuals selling the food at these unpermitted food booths may be victims of trafficking. In the past, we've even received some information from certain agencies like law enforcement that some individuals were actually victims of human trafficking. But... The human trafficking aspect doesn't fall under our jurisdiction. We defer to those other agencies, to social services, to law enforcement, or those individuals that can actually help people get the aid that they need. If we actually suspect someone that is an unpermitted food vendor is a victim of human trafficking. So that just that 
falls way outside of the realms of the health district. And so we just wanted people to have that information. It's more of having the knowledge so that hopefully that will prevent people from purchasing from the vendors, knowing that by purchasing, they could be putting someone in in that danger. So it's not in your jurisdiction, but it is referenced on your website. When I'm and I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think it was just you just said you want to discourage people from even going to vendors because it may have some connection to human trafficking. But again, I, I guess I'll go back to my first question. What evidence have you been provided that that is actually going on? I We've mean, actually, I mean, I, I've been with the program for a while. This has gone by on for, for years. Back when I was doing field patrols, we would get information about certain vehicles and, and license plate numbers and things like that. And we were asked to keep a lookout. We knew that they would come in, they were staying at a certain motel and they were dropping these people off on the side of the road to sell oranges or watermelons or whatever it happens to be. And if we happened to see the van, we were to call the, you know, some task force or something like that. We've also worked with the police before where we've, we've identified victims of human trafficking. They've come down, they've intervened and, you know, they took the the victim away from the situation. After that, we are not going to receive any any type of follow up or feedback. But we knew what was going on. Um, we know that that happened, and that's an historical aspect. You know, modern day, uh, Nikki's dealing with that more. But she, we are in communication with uh, law enforcement. Nikki has told me that they we've been given reports from the Metropolitan Police Department that there is in fact gang activity and human trafficking associated with these vendors, particularly with the ones around Allegiant Stadium. Okay, so gang stuff, let's put that on hold for a second because that's a new part. I, I'm still trying to wrap my head logically around yeah, how trafficking David, would David, work you, with someone who's selling ice cream or corn. Yeah, if you really want good answers on this, you need to go to the police department because we don't handle that aspect. We can just tell you that we're aware of it because we work with our police you know, partners. Okay. I figured it was fair just because it's on your oh, no, website. No, it's but... fair. It's it's a good question. I just, I, we don't have a lot of details. We just are aware that it's happening and we wanted the public to be aware of that also. Okay. And then as far as gangs go, same, same response. This is something that's coming at you from law enforcement. You have a, knowledge or concern about allegations of that, but that's not something that the health district does. I think the word they used was cartel. Am I, is that right? I mean, it sounds far-fetched to me, but I'm not going to argue with the police. The, the well, me police too. Cartels in, and, yeah. and Elote does sound far-fetched. That sounds gonna, far-fetched to me, lie. but you know, I'm not going to argue with the gang unit. They, this is what we were told. And I'll leave it after this, but we, we did speak mm-hmm. with individuals that work for nonprofits who work with immigrant food vendors, and they say that the even trying to brand street vendors as involved with human trafficking or, or gangs or whatever is unfair bias and, and sort of dehumanizes them. Do you think that's a risk of putting stuff like that on your website? Well, I, like I said, we put it on our website just as a knowledge base. We don't try to criminalize anyone. We don't have that under our authority. And we treat all of the vendors with respect. We want them to know this is what to do in order to get permitted. Here's all the information that you have. It's not a criminal thing with us, but we do, like I said earlier, we do confiscate the food, but we don't treat them as criminals. We treat them with respect and we put that information on our website just as a knowledge base for individuals. 
Okay. We do see a lot of street vendors, and I think people want to go there safely. What efforts does Southern Nevada Health District take to educate and guide people through the permitting and licensing process? Definitely. Our website has a great deal of information. I would suggest that anyone that is looking to become permitted go to the Southern Nevada Health District's website. They can do a search for plan review and that will take them to our plan review website. It talks about the permitting process, the type of equipment that is gonna be required. Also, there is a great deal of food safety training information on our website. It has, like I said earlier, many, many, many different languages that you can find the information in. We're talking about things like handouts, signs, logs, templates, frequently asked questions, there's videos. So there is a lot of information on our website. I know there's also some costs involved in permitting. Is there any programs through Southern Nevada Health District that helps offset or defer the costs of some of the permitting for people who maybe are struggling? Unfortunately, right now, no. I was hoping to be able to find maybe some grant funds and things like that. I am still searching. So if anyone is is aware of any of that kind of information, please let me know. But, That's a good call to action. I like that one. Yes. So if anybody knows, let me know. But right now, no, we currently do not have that. Um, we don't have currently have anything like that. Nikki Burns-Savage and Larry Rogers, thanks so much for joining us and explaining how SNHD works on the street vendors in Las Vegas. Thanks so much for your time. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Now let's hear some news. 52.6 million people. That's how many came through Harry Reid International Airport in 2022. And that beats a record set pre-pandemic in 2019. And to give you context, that is more than double the combined population of the 10 most populated cities in the United States. Viva Las Visitors! Also, as the Nevada legislature is convened ready to discuss education, Governor Lombardo fired first with an executive order to audit Nevada's public schools. Promoted as an attempt to hold schools accountable, the governor is asking the superintendent from each school district to submit their reports by March 1st. The Clark County School District response? Chill out, Gov. We already share that info. On that note, we got a voicemail from a listener named Maya who shares her thoughts about Monday's episode on breaking up our school district. Hi, CityCast. Uh, My name is Maya. I'm a Las Vegas resident. Been here for 17 years now. And I was also a product of the CCSD school district. I agree that they should definitely break it up. CCSD is so large, and when things get bigger, like think of a family who has like 15 kids. You can't give each of them the attention at all times that they deserve. So breaking it up into smaller units can give these kids the attention and the education that they need, you know, to succeed in life. So I'm all for it. Break up CCSD. Hashtag. (laughs) You can leave us voicemails, too, at 702 514-0719. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoy street food, but think it needs to be regulated less or more, let us know. 
hit us up on social media and share those links with a friend. Also, hey, have you rated the show yet? Go rate the show. And don't forget to subscribe to our informative and free morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk soon. Viva Las Visitors! Wow, that sucked.